Membro da Zoclo de Bronda Galanda Balaclo de Boroco Tosquetele de Brina Galanda Baracatisquetele de Brina Galana Manga. We bless the name of Jesus. He is our rock, he is our refuge, he is our fortress. Agabadolo de Boja Calande Brina Cantolo de Bondola de Baracatisquetele de Abanahataya. We rejoice that we are in you. Brother Paul said, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that we are found in you, and we are complete in you. We are resident in you, and you are resident in us. We abide in you, and your word abide in us. And we rejoice that we have greater light in the midst of darkness. We walk in the light even as as you are in the light. And we rejoice that as we fellowship in the light today, veils are totally taken away, shadows give way to reality. The word of your grace comes with clarity and with boldness and with power. And our hearts are open to receive revelation knowledge. Barriers are terminated, yokes are destroyed. Your people built up, equipped, edified, Jesus glorified. And nobody leaves this place the same way they came. We give you glory and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven this morning. Uh, you know, and let's re- release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand. The word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service. I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome every one of you. Connected to the service this morning. I am telling you. By way of Kingdom Life Network. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And all the various platforms. All our campuses around the world. And all our house centers. Right here in the city of Akwaibom. And you know. Uyo and Akwaibom State in general. We are so glad to have every one of you. Connected to the service. You get ready. The word is going to build you up this morning. And you will never be the same again. Grab your Bible. Your notebook and your pen. We're going to go into an intensive study of God's word. You can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning. Do me a favor, those of you online. Help me share the broadcast on your pages. Invite some people, tag some people. You know, um, share with some people. Just make sure we, we flood the earth with the light of God's word. Even in the midst of the darkness that is looming all over the world. Let's be the light that shines in the darkness of this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Alright, let's get in the word. We've been dealing with the two kinds of righteousness. The two kinds of righteousness. And I want to encourage those of you that are connecting for the first time today to, to go back, you know, um, go back and look at all the things we have taught already in this series. It's important. It will help you not to be asking questions that look like foolish. You know, the Bible says foolish, foolish and um, unlearned questions avoid, avoid them. You know, so to avoid you asking questions that are foolish and unlearned, sometimes you have to go back and painstakingly and patiently listen to the previous teachings. And then sometimes you find out that you really don't 
have to ask the questions you ask or the questions you may be asking are very unnecessary if you just paid some attention to the things we were teaching because every time we bring to you the word of God, the word we teach you has gone through a lot of thought process. We have processed it, we have prayed over it, we have thought over it, we have criticized the message ourselves and finally arrived at, at a, a Christocentric a Christocentric destination where we can communicate these thoughts to you via words. So sometimes it's important that you patiently go through the process so that you don't ask questions that you know um, make you look very unserious in the eyes of those who are very serious. Alright, turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Take note of the word salvation through faith in Christ. So our studying is focused on righteousness through faith. Righteousness through faith. When you read scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, you will see two kinds of righteousness discussed across the board from Genesis to Malachi. And in 2 Timothy where we just read, he says the conclusion of the message of the scriptures is salvation through faith which is in Christ. Realize he is talking about the Old Testament here. That the message of the Old Testament will be salvation Okay, which will be seen through faith in Christ in the Old Testament. Faith in Christ unlocks the Old Testament for you. I repeat, faith in Christ unlocks the Old Testament for you. We said that faith in Christ is synonymous with faith in his sacrificial work. Faith in Christ is synonymous with faith in his work. It's not the same faith for healing. Faith for healing Faith, you know, like the faith of the woman with the issue of blood is not faith for salvation. It's faith for healing. And faith for healing is not the same with faith for salvation. Faith for salvation will be faith in the person of Jesus. Faith in the person of Jesus and the sacrificial work that he has done on your behalf. It's not the same with faith for healing. So faith in Christ is faith in what Christ has done in his resurrection, precisely. The book of John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. When you have faith in Christ, you don't get healing or prosperity. When you have faith in Christ, the result of having faith in Christ is you become a son of God. Faith in Christ gives birth to you as a son of God. And he says, even to those who believe, who believe in his name. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. On the way to Emmaus, Jesus was to his disciples. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Next verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. To believe, take note of that word. If your Bible was mine, I will underline that. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
to believe faith in Christ. The way to see in clarity that the prophets have spoken, what the prophets have spoken is through faith to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's very key because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith in Christ interprets the scriptures for us. Faith in Christ interprets the scriptures for us. That is how you can interpret the scriptures. Look at that. Luke chapter 24, verse number 27. Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word expounded is the word daimonium. Daimonio is the word expounded. It means to interpret across the board. To interpret across the board. The things concerning himself. So faith in Christ helps us in the interpretation of the scriptures. Just like the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus are unlocked by faith or through faith in Christ. Because Jesus' parables was just a step higher than the types and the shadows and the promises of the Old Testament. It was just slightly different because uh, the, the teaching ministry of Jesus was parables. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 13 verse number 10. Matthew chapter 13 verse number 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Look at verse 34 of the same Matthew chapter 13. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. Now the disciples asked Jesus, why are you teaching using parables? Why are you teaching like this? Look at it in Matthew chapter 13 verse number 11. Matthew chapter 13 verse number 11. He answered and said unto them because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. When he said to them it is not given, why did he say that? Look at Matthew 13 verse 13. Matthew 13 verse number 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables because, if your Bible was mine, that's a place to underline, because they seen, see not. That's why I'm speaking to them in parables. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. Neither do they understand. Give me the next verse, verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. Why did he say that? Because of verse 15. Give me verse 15 of the same scripture. For these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And should understand with their heart. And should be converted and I should heal them. Give me verse 16. Pay attention. But blessed are your eyes for they see. And your ears for they hear. Now if you observe in other words what Jesus was saying is. Faith in Christ 
is what gives you access into revelation knowledge. Faith in Christ is what gives you access to unlocking the message of the Old Testament and the parables of Jesus. So the way to understand the scriptures is to see it through faith in Christ. Please, that's very important. To see it through faith in Christ. We have already established that Jesus is the explanation of all things. That Jesus is the explanation of all things. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. That word the mind of Christ means we have the understanding of Christ. That is to say, we have the explanation of Christ or our explanation of the scriptures is via the binoculars of Christ or we understand the scriptures in the light of Christ or Christ is the revelation of the scriptures or the scriptures are unveiled via the pressing of the Christ or via the message of the Christ. In other words, when I have the Old Testament, I have the understanding of Christ. That the message of the Old Testament is the message of the Christ. John 5.39, Jesus said to them, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. Meaning that the scriptures are my testimony. So that is why to understand the scriptures... You must have faith in Christ. Are you still in the building? Pay attention. Now, so when I hold the Old Testament, I don't just follow stories. When I hold the Old Testament, I do not look for stories. What I look for in the Old Testament is the understanding of Christ. Because the message of the Old Testament is the message of the Christ. Please stay with me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. Whenever you study be careful how you handle words in scriptures. Be careful how you handle words in scriptures. Because the entire revelation of God is communicated via words. All God gave to us is words. His word. Therefore, you must be careful how you handle words in scripture. Now he says, for you know, you know, for you know the grace, for you know. That word know means they have been taught. He, he told them, you know the church in Corinth. What he was implying is that this church, you have been taught. The word there is the word ginosko, like realizing or when you come to an understanding. You ginosko, you have realized or you have been taught. Hence, you have an understanding. When he says, you know, it means now you must have appreciated what you are taught. You must have appreciated what you have been taught. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
you know that it is not a new thing to you. You've been taught the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he explains what he means by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've been laughing my, my, my heart out in the last few days. Because as I just flip through social media, I see people going all over the place. May the month of grace. May the month of grace. How can May be the month of grace? Is grace a once in a year event? It shows you that they have not yet still understood what the grace of God is. The grace of God is the disposition of God towards man from eternity past to eternity future. Actually, the grace of God is a definition of God's character towards undeserving man. A, a definition of God's disposition towards an unqualified man, undeserving man. Towards a man that doesn't have the wherewithal to be able to stand before God justified. So the grace of God is not a moment. Moreover, if you call May the month of grace, that and the reason why they call May the month of grace is because of one, two, three, four, five. But five is not the number of grace. Because if five is going to be the number of grace, it should be the number of grace in Hebrew and in Greek. So because it is not the number of grace in Hebrew and in Greek, then it can be the number of grace because if it is, it must have a universal application. In the Greek, the word grace is the word charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis. Six words. Okay? Six, six words. Alright? Then there is another one. Grace is the word charismata, which is about nine, ten, you know, you know words. Now, Nine ten. Okay. Now, then there is the, the word grace in the Hebrew is the word chesed. Chesed. C-H-E-S-E-D. Which is about six, seven. So that cannot be, uh, cannot be grace. So grace cannot be five. Grace cannot be numbers. Grace is a pressing. Jesus is the embodiment or the expression of the grace of God, or the this Jesus is the grace of God manifest. Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. That's why the Bible says He's full of grace, and out of His fullness, which is grace, have we received grace for grace. All right, let's get in the scriptures. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 16, verse 24. Romans chapter 16 verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Amen. The word be there is in italics. All through the epistles, wherever you see be connected to grace is in italics. That means it is not part of the original manuscript. Let's look at some synonymous words that are connected to grace. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you. First Corinthians 16.23. First Corinthians 16.23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you. Then Second Corinthians 13.14. Second Corinthians 13.14. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost with you all. Amen. We will come back to this particular scripture. 
But look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 18. Galatians chapter 6 verse 18. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Amen. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 23. Philippians chapter 4 verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 28. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 18. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Amen. Philemon, look at Philemon. Philemon chapter 2. I mean Philemon verse 25. Philemon verse 25. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Did you observe with your spirit? This is the second time we read with your spirit. Amen. Other places where he said grace with you. In other words, is something everybody knew among the churches that the apostles wrote to. It was something that was common in the epistles. The grace of our Lord Jesus with you. Amen. In a, in a few instances, he added something. Instances like 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Galatians 6, 18 and Philemon 25. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 again. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though, that's what you know. That though he was rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. That scripture has been abused in churches today. The particular scripture I read, look at me everybody, has been abused in churches today. So now he explains it. The word grace is the word charis. Charis means to give. Charis means to give. So you know what Jesus Christ gave you. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus. That is, you know what Jesus Christ gave you. You know what Jesus Christ gave you. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How that even though he was rich. For your sakes he became poor. Even though he was rich. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For your sakes he became poor. That's the grace of Jesus. Now he became poor there. Is the word tochuo. P-T-O-C-H-U-O in the Greek. P-T-O-C-H-U-O. It means to be. To be, in other words, there's an action of his he did. He became poor. He did something. There's an action. He became poor. He did something. We became rich. That is to say, the grace of our Lord Jesus was that he did something and that thing he did made him poor. And in him becoming poor, we became rich. That is the grace. The grace is that because Jesus is operating in grace, grace brought him to a place of deprivation. 
a place of poverty so that that grace can enrich us. So he deprived himself to enrich us. That is grace. Grace is me giving up my convenience for another. That is grace. Grace is not accumulation contrary to what has been taught in Pentecostal circles. That when you have grace, you gather. Mm -mm. Grace is me depriving myself to enrich you. That is, I take what I own and I make it available for your comfort. Or I make it available for your convenience. So he says, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty will be rich. So what will be the grace? The grace is he became poor. That is, through you he became poor. So his grace is his poverty. His grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus is his poverty. What did he give to you? He gave himself a ransom to die. He became poor so that through his poverty, you can become rich. Now that word become rich is critical because a lot of people has, have misconstrued that word. He became rich. The word rich, he became rich in the Greek is the word plotio. P-L-O-U-T-E-O. Plotio. It is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 8. Pay attention. Now you are full. Now you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I will to God you do reign that we also might reign with you. The word you are rich. You are rich. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. Pay attention. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful laws. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. Look at 1 Timothy 6.18. 1 Timothy 6.18. That they do good, that they be rich in good works. Rich in good works. Rich in good works. So he became poor, his grace. We became rich from his poverty. His grace. He became poor. We became rich from his poverty. In other words, when he says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you, he is saying his sacrifice is with you. That is the sacrificial work of Christ is with you. What he means is you are the beneficiary of his sacrificial work. That is grace. Grace is I deprive myself for your benefit. That is grace. Grace is not I cheat you for my benefit. Eh, that is not grace. Grace is that I deprive myself for your benefit. He is saying when he says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. What he's saying is the benefit of his sacrificial work, you are the beneficiary of it, is with you. He is telling you to know that you are what you are because of his sacrificial work or because of his finished work. So it's not a chant after service. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. No, 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 no. It's not a chant after service. You know, somebody says, why did Paul put it in the end of his letters? But did you observe that he also put it in the beginning of his letters and in the middle of his letters? So it is not always in the end of his letters. Let us share the grace. Somebody said she was going to leave our church because we don't share the grace. I knew that she's not even born again yet because somebody that is born again will not be thinking of leaving a church where you're fed the word of God like this just because we are not sharing the grace. Rather, you should be asking, why don't we share the grace? Well, the entire teaching is the grace I am sharing. As I'm teaching now, I am sharing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The entire teaching service is a grace sharing service. Because grace and peace is multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I'm giving you knowledge, we are sharing grace and you are multiplying in grace. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ refers to what he has done. And what we have received from what he has done. Now go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And the communion of the Holy Ghost. Now listen carefully. In Bible study, when you see the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost with you. In Bible study, there is something we call understanding terminologies. There is something we call understanding terminologies. For example, in English language, when I use the word and, the word and is a conjunction in English language, like Isaac and Jacob, referring to two personalities. Isaac and Jacob, a conjunction. But in the Greek, it's not always like that. In the Greek, most at times, it is explanatory. It's not a conjunction, the word and. Sometimes, when I say, and Savior Jesus Christ, that is, it is our Lord who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is our Lord who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will be, He is God who is the Father. It's not like God and Father, two people know. He is God who is the Father. So look at John chapter 3 verse 5 for example. John chapter 3 verse number 5. John chapter 3 verse number 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Alright, except a man be born of water, that is the spirit. Be born of water, that is the spirit. That is, that water is symbolic of the spirit. So when he says water, to explain himself further, he says, that is the spirit. The word water, Jewish people whom he was talking to knew. That when you talk about water, it is symbolic of the spirit. The audience he was addressing knew that. Alright, water, that is the spirit. Meaning, newness, something new. How you often know is to follow the trend of discourse. 
The next statement says, That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So water, that is the spirit. Born of water, that is the spirit. Then verse 8, he explains it further in John chapter 3 verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So the spirit explains the term water. The spirit explains the term water. In that same context of discourse, look at John chapter 4 verse 14. John chapter 4 verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of spring of water. Springing up into everlasting life. Springing up into everlasting life. So the water there can be physical water. The water there has to be life. The spirit is life. The spirit is life. The words I speak to you, they are spirit that is life. So the spirit is life. Look at John 7, 37 for clarity within the same context of discourse. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Next verse. But this spake he of the spirit. But this spake he of the spirit. Which they that believe on him shall receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. This spake he of the spirit. Did you observe that? So water is consistently used for the spirit. So water is symbolic of the spirit. So when you find the word and, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a conjunction. It means it is a, it, it's a continuing explanation of the same thing. It means it's a continuing explanation of the same thing. So when we say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the love of God, which refers to the fellowship because the fellowship there is a communion, the word koinonia in the Greek, which refers to something that you have and share. So Jesus' grace is that he shared, he shared his grace, which is the love of God, which is the sharing of the Holy Ghost, the communion, the koinonia, the sharing of the Holy Ghost, which is the sharing of the Holy Ghost. So question, is the grace of Jesus the love of God? Yes. Is that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay. So that's how to study the scriptures. So when he says with you is the word meta. Meta in the Greek means a result of something. A result of something. That is the grace of Jesus. The result is with you. The grace of Jesus, the result is with you. That is, that is the gift of Jesus. You are the recipient of it. It's not a chant. It's not a quote. 
is not a confession as much as it is a fact. It is our reality. We are beneficiaries of the grace of Jesus, which is the love of God, which is the sharing of the Holy Ghost. That is why he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. That you are the recipient of the grace of the Lord Jesus. Whether you know it or not, it is with you already. Whether you know it or not, it is with you already. Whether you realize it or not, it is with you already. Why does he use the word Amen? It's a Hebrew word which means two things. Number one, it means true or let it be. That word Amen is a Hebrew word. It means true or let it be. So when he says, let that the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, which is the sharing of the Holy Ghost, the result is with you. That is true or let it be. When does, when does he end his book? Why does he end his book like that? Because Peter and Paul ended their book like that. It's an observation. That observation I have made is that they end their book like that because it's an emphasis marker. It's an emphasis marker in interpretation of the entire book. It's an emphasis marker because when books are written like that, closing remarks are emphasis markers. Closing remarks are emphasis markers. That explains the entire letter. In other words, what I have written to you now is what Jesus has given to us. What I have written to you now is what Jesus has given to us. So, the closing remarks of the letter are emphasis marker. Paul will start with what Christ has done. Then he will finish by what Christ has done. He opens the letter by speaking grace to them. He closes the letter by speaking grace. So, he opens with what Christ has done. He closes with what Christ has done, which is a fact or which is true of what has already been given to you as a beneficiary of that grace of God. Whether you know it or you don't know it does not change the fact. So, it's to tell you what I emphasized in the letter. To summarize my emphasis in the letter. So, Paul's letters is to emphasize what we have in Christ. To emphasize what we have in Christ. Which is the post-resurrection reality. Are you still in the building? We are studying righteousness. Two kinds of righteousness. Please stay with me. You must understand righteousness in Christ. You must understand righteousness is not what we produce. It's not what we produce. Righteousness is what we have received. Righteousness is what we have. Righteousness is what we have been called. We are the righteousness of God. Go to Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Stay with me. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he mentions the word righteousness of God. Therein the righteousness of God 
The word righteousness is used 92 times in New Testament Greek. 92 times. Then just in the book of Romans is used about 32 times in 92. Over a third of the use of that word righteousness will be found in the book of Romans. That will mean that to understand righteousness, you cannot stay away from the book of Romans. So the book of Romans explains to us the concept of righteousness. It explains to us the concept of righteousness. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, We will find righteousness in the gospel of Christ. We will find righteousness in the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So in the entire Bible, where else do we find righteousness first used? Genesis 15, 16. Genesis, the first mention, Genesis 15 verse 6, sorry. Genesis 15 verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. So the first example of righteousness, brother Paul used in the book of Romans was Abraham. He believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So there is a similarity the way brother Paul's argument was propounded. There is a similarity between Genesis 15 and brother Paul's definition of righteousness in Romans. The word righteousness is used for the first time in the entire Bible in Genesis 15 verse 6. Is the word sadika, sadika in the Hebrew. T-S-E-D-A-Q-A-H Used 155 times. It means to do what is right. Sadika. To do what is right. In other words, Abraham was said to by God, You have done the right thing. Abraham believed and God for the first time stood up and looked at mankind and said to Abraham, you have done the right thing or you are living right. You are living right. That's the first time God looked at anybody on earth and called him right. Right? And the first time God said that word righteousness, he said it to Abraham. And he said it to Abraham because Abraham believed. Abraham believed. Paul says, where he says righteousness, he says that righteousness is from faith to faith. The same way that the first time faith was mentioned in the Bible. It was mentioned as touching righteousness in that scripture for the first time. The first time righteousness was mentioned in the Bible, it was said as touching faith. So the first time you see righteousness is as touching faith. The first time you see faith is as touching righteousness. You didn't hear that. The first time you see righteousness in the Bible is as touching faith. The first time you see faith is as touching righteousness. So here Paul is putting out an argument. What Paul is saying that look, righteousness is faith in God. Righteousness is faith in God because the very first time God will call anything righteous, he called faith righteousness. That's the argument of brother Paul. 
and he explained it in Romans chapter 4 verse 3. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. Am I preaching good? For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was counted unto him for righteousness. So he's saying in the two places. In Romans chapter 4 verse 3 and in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Righteousness relates with faith alone. Righteousness relates with faith alone. Stay with me. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Look at Jesus' teaching about Abraham. John chapter 8 verse 39. John chapter 8 verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. Put it back. You will do the works of Abraham. Okay? Now, look at the next verse, verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that I told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Question. What are the works of Abraham? What are the works of Abraham? His business ventures? No. His ships? No. His cattle? No. Those are not the works of Abraham. Or his sleeping around? No. Jesus said to us what the works of Abraham were. Pay attention because this is fundamental what I'm teaching this morning. Look at verse 41. 41 of John chapter 8. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Next verse. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, if God were your father, you will love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Did you see that? He relates the good works of Abraham to himself. He relates the good works of Abraham to himself. Jesus is saying, if you want to mark out what Abraham was, you cannot take me out of the picture. You cannot take me out of the picture because if you were the children of Abraham, you will do exactly what Abraham did concerning me. Look at verse 42 and 43. Pay attention. John 8. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you will love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Verse 43. Why do you not understand my message? The word speech there is my message. Why do you not understand my message? Even because you cannot hear my message. Look at verse 44. You have your father, the devil. You have your father, the devil. And the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Look at verse 45. 45. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Underline that word. You believe me not. So, if God were your father, you will believe me. That's what Jesus was saying in essence. If God were your father, you will believe me. Because Abraham, who you claim to be your father, believed me. Look at verse 56. Verse 56 of John 8. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. He rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. 57. 57. Pay attention. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Fifty-eight. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. What Jesus was saying is, Abraham rejoiced to see my days. What he means is, Abraham rejoiced to see my message, or to see the truth. The truth or the message is the day of Jesus. So Abraham received Jesus in a message. Don't forget, he received Jesus in a message. It was not see like physical. It was revelation in a message. So, I am before Abraham. Because what Abraham believed was already a message that predated Abraham. A message that predated Abraham. Abraham wasn't the first person to believe the message. In other words, Jesus' message preceded Abraham. Jesus' message preceded Abraham. So what Abraham saw was the message of Christ. Galatians 3.8 Galatians chapter 3 verse number 8 Galatians and the scripture and the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the hidden through faith preached preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed did you see that that gives us clarity Jesus is not talking deity here he is talking about the gospel before Abraham was, I am. I am. There is the message. Look at Galatians 3, 6 again where we just read. Pay attention. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Next verse. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Then look at the next verse. Glory. And the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the hidden through faith preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. So how did Abraham know Jesus in the gospel? How do you know Jesus today? In the gospel. 
Abraham knew Jesus for what he will do. You, you know Jesus for what he has done. So Abraham saw Jesus where? Yeah, in the gospel. Have you seen Jesus? Yes, where? In the gospel. That's right. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. How did he see Jesus' day? In the gospel. That's right. How did he see it? By believing. He believed. And in that believing, he saw. So faith opens you up to the message of the gospel. Or faith unlocks the gospel to you. Go back to Romans chapter 4. Pay attention. Go back to Romans chapter 4. So righteousness through faith in Christ is not an afterthought. Righteousness through faith in Christ is not a reaction or a solution to a problem. It's not an afterthought. It's not a reaction. Neither is it a solution to a problem. It's not in believing that he brought the problem or he solved the problem. Because look at Romans chapter 4 verse 1. Pay attention. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh had found? What did Abraham find? Look at me. Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning, blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. And in the church world, when you sing that song, they're thinking of car, houses, money, loans, I mean, uh, jobs, uh, properties. But that is not what Abraham found. What has Abraham found? What has Abraham, what was the thing about Abraham that qualified his name to be a reference in the scripture? Put it up again, Romans chapter 4 verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh had found? Look at verse 2. For if Abraham were justified, underline the word justified. Because that is what Abraham found. Justification without works. It's not cattle and sheep. No. Abraham's blessing is justification by faith or righteousness without works. It's not money. Mm -mm. The blessing of Abraham is righteousness. Look at chapter 4 verse 6 for clarity. Romans 4 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man. The blessedness, underline the word blessedness. The blessedness of the man, what is that blessedness? Unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. So what is the blessing? The blessing is righteousness without works. So when we say Abraham's blessings are mine, what you are saying is the same way Abraham was justified devoid of works, I am also justified devoid of works. Stop thinking material. Stop thinking material when we teach the word of God. 
The word blessing is the Greek word makario. Makario. M-A-K-A-R-I-O. It means fortunate or to have an advantage. Fortunate or to have an advantage. Or another word is makarios mos. Which is the status of being fortunate. The blessedness. The blessedness of Abraham is righteousness. The blessedness or the advantage of Abraham or the status of Abraham where Abraham is fortunate. It's the same word in verse 9 of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Faith was reckoned. That is, what is the advantage? Look at verse 7 of Romans chapter 4. What is the blessedness? Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And whose sins are covered. So the advantage is, is the forgiveness of sin which is a position of envy, to be envied. Blessed or to be envied or you have the advantage of the forgiveness of sins without works. That's the blessing of Abraham through faith. Abraham didn't become a billionaire through faith. He became a billionaire through doing business. You become a billionaire doing business. You don't become a billionaire by faith. <laughs> you become righteous by faith. Billionaire is what everybody wants to be rich does. Christian, non-Christian. Anyway, you know I've taught you that already. So, Abraham did not become a billionaire. He became a billionaire by being a very smart, trickish businessman. He was a shrewd businessman. Put his wife forward and use his wife as a bait to collect money from different people. And through that, he became rich. Anyway, put that aside. That's not the subject. So, he became righteous through faith. Look at Acts 3.26. Acts chapter 3 verse 26. Unto you first. Pay attention church. Pay attention. Unto you first. God having raised up his son Jesus. Sent him to bless you. How did Jesus bless you? In turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Jesus blessed you in turning away. Every one of you from their iniquities. Nowhere in the epistles, Abraham's blessings were natural things. Nowhere. Nowhere in the epistles. In fact, look at it in Acts 3.26, where we just read. 3.26. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. How is the blessing? In turning away every one of you from his iniquity. Alright, so to bless is the word 
Eurogerio in the Greek. Eurogerio is different from blessedness. To bless. Eurogerio. E-U-R-O-G-E-R-O-U. It means to speak well of God. He speaks forgiveness for you. That is, for God to speak well of you is the blessing. That God looks at you and says, forgiving. That's the blessing. He speaks well of you. Where did he take it from? He took it from Abraham. How? Acts 3.25. The same Acts 3.25. The pretext. You are the children of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Saying unto Abraham. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. How is he blessed? God spoke well of him. God called him righteous because he believed. To speak well of. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual, spiritual, spiritual blessings in heavenlies in Christ. So the blessing of Abraham was given to him in a promise. And this promise was in the resurrection of Jesus. So go back to Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee, underline that, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All the nations or all the families there is the gospel. In you, meaning in this faith of yours in the gospel. In this faith of yours in the gospel shall all families be blessed. Remember, that was the first thing God said to Abraham. He was preaching the gospel to Abraham. Saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. That is the gospel. In thee shall all nations be justified by faith devoid of works. That's the blessing there. So what is the gospel? The gospel is righteousness through faith. Remember, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So, the gospel is not a promise to own a large-scale business. The gospel is not a promise to own a large-scale business. The gospel is the gospel of Christ's righteousness conferred on the believer. Because the word bless or the word blessing of God is only found in the person of Jesus. So he says, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So that blessing is found in Christ. That blessing is found in the gospel. Look at Galatians 3.8 again. Galatians 3.8. 
and the scriptures foreseeing that God will justify the hidden through faith preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying indeed shall all nations be blessed which gospel Genesis 12 3 Genesis 12 3 put it up for me and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee. Now underline that. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All families of the earth be blessed. That's the gospel. Acts 3.25. Acts 3.25. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our father saying unto Abraham... In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So, in who shall all nations be blessed? In Abraham or in faith in Christ? Faith in Christ which was found in Abraham. So, righteousness is a gift. And righteousness is the blessing. So, the only contact Abraham had with God is in Christ. The only contact Abraham had with God is in Christ or in the gospel. Abraham's knowledge of God is Jesus. Abraham saw God in Christ and he rejoiced. So let's back up as we round up. Kabayada. Are you blessed this morning? In the next service, I will deal with the tables of stone. I will deal with the Ten Commandments. There are some things we're going to get in some technicalities. That's why I'm taking time in this service to spread out this framework for what I will do in the next service at 11. Pay attention. What was the blessing again? Righteousness by faith. What is righteousness? Faith in Christ. God took account of what? What did God take account of in Abraham? Faith. That's the first time we hear that God took account of something. And it was faith. And the result of that faith was righteousness. In other words, faith has been the highest moral conduct in the sight of God. Faith has been the highest moral conduct in the sight of God. Faith in Christ is the highest conduct of any man. God has never been a fault finder. I repeat, God has never been a fault finder. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. To wit... That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, underline, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Notice, reconciliation is not an afterthought. Reconciliation it's God's nature towards rebellious people. Reconciliation is God's nature towards rebellious people. 
He has always functioned like that. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. He uses the word reconciliation or reconcile so well. When a word is repeated over and over in a text, you have to pay attention. Look at that 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Pay attention. Pay attention. And all things are of God who hath reconciled one us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Two. Next verse. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling, three, the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Four reconciliation in two verses. That is emphasis. That is emphasis. It means that is the characteristic of God. That is the characteristic of God. He is the first person to approach a person who is wrong. God is the first person to approach a person who is wrong. It was not Abraham that looked for God. Abraham was worshipping the moon and the star. God walked to Abraham. I will bless you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. God brought the gospel of reconciliation to Abraham. Because that is God's character. That is God's nature. He is the first person to approach a person who is wrong. Reconcile is the word katalasu. Not imputing their trespasses. In other words, he is a reconciling God. He is a reconciling God. He does not enjoy separation. He does not enjoy separation. He walks towards union. Notice, he is not imputing they are trespasses. The word logizomai in the Greek. Logizomai. Notice he didn't say not imputing again. Because he has never imputed before. So he, he never imputed. He does not impute. He will never impute. So not imputing their trespasses. That will mean he was, he was he has never done it before. He was never doing it. If he was doing it before he will have said not imputing again. But he just said not imputing because God has never imputed sins. Reconciliation is God's nature. Katalasu is his nature. God doesn't count sin. That's why in the Old Testament, David will say, if thou should count iniquities, who can stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. That's his character. And then in verse 18 of that, of that second Corinthians, Chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God. To look at the things of God, you look in Christ. And all things are of God. Where do you find them? In Christ. So question. Who was imputing trespasses in the Old Testament? Is the law. Romans 5.13. Romans 5.13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So it is the law that imputed. The word elegio, elegio, E-L-L-E-G-E-O, imputed. That word, you see that word in Philemon verse 18. Philemon verse 18, imputed. Philemon is just one chapter. 
Philemon verse 18. If he hath wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that on my account. Put that on my account. It is not done by God. God does not impute their trespasses. So that put that on my account is the word elegio. Jesus told us, he that has seen me has seen the Father. In John 1.18. Who is he? A reconciling God. So his wrath, what is his wrath? Is that he doesn't count sin. <laughs> he doesn't count sin. So now, as a round of this service, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, Brother Copeland said, when you see therefore, find out what it is therefore. Therefore, if any man, if any man in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, glory to God, behold, behold, all things are new. In the next service, I will show you what that all things are. And what old things are. What all things are. And what old things are. And we will deal with the Ten Commandments again. There are tables of stones. The broken stone. The new stone. We want to explore and unravel all, all of that. It's going to be exciting in the next service. As we build on this foundation. But ladies and gentlemen. You are a brand new man. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. And the good news this morning is that God does not impute sin. He does not count wrongs because he has punished all wrongs on himself on your behalf. The wages of sin is death and that is why Jesus died. And he died to give you the gift of God which is eternal life. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How that he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty may be rich. You are rich in Christ. You are enriched in all things. You are sufficient in all things. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency, may abound. You abound. Listen, listen everybody. You abound unto every good work. And in the name of Jesus, I declare for you today, you are sufficient. You are enriched in all things. You are established in righteousness. You are far from oppression. Grace abound towards you. Grace abound towards you. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And I rebuke sickness. I rebuke disease. I rebuke infirmity. I rebuke every symptom and every voice of the enemy, shut up in the name of Jesus. Your body be healed and be restored. Be healed and be restored. Be healed from every symptom, from every pain, from every discomfort. Be healed 
in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you abound in all good things. You are enriched in all good things. You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Great grace is upon you today. In Jesus name. Amen. Oh glory to God. I feel like dancing. Trust me. Blessed is the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. You are that blessed man. Amen. Listen carefully. Today is partnership. Listen very carefully. Today is our partnership Sunday. What partnership does is it gives you an opportunity to pray for this ministry, to pray for me. I need all your prayers. I need all. All the prayers you can have in this life. Please, I need it plus extra. Because this mandate upon my life to reintroduce Jesus to this generation, it's a mandate given not just to me alone, but to all of you that are part of this ministry. We have a collective assignment to blanket the bloomable planet with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Therefore, it takes a lot of money to push this message out, to get it out everywhere, especially now where the world is gradually gravitating towards virtual networks, media, social media, data, and all kinds of solutions are coming to make people to be able to be more effective technology-wise in spreading the gospel. For me, everything they are bringing, whether 5G or 25G, is for the gospel I'm going to use it. I don't have time for, for theories. I'm going to use it effectively for the gospel of Christ. I'm telling you. And we need a lot of money to get that. We are on TV in different states. We are on radio in different states. We are on different platforms apart from social media. We own a TV channel. We do so much in this place to get the gospel out to you and to build you up as people, as, you know, as, as a people that are part of this ministry. And every month you give to us your partnership, you are investing into a system that cannot fail. The scripture tells us, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where no thief can break through. How do you lay treasures in heaven? You lay treasures in heaven by making your monies available. Please don't be impatient with me. Listen carefully. You know, when the children of Israel left the land of Egypt, God gave them favor before the Egyptians and the Egyptians gave them resources. They took the money and they went to the bush. They were in a wilderness where they could not spend it. They were with money but could not spend it. They were hungry, but their money could not take care of them. They were thirsty, but their money could not provide for them. They cried out. Moses gave them manna and gave them, you know, water from the rock. All of those were symbolic of Christ, what Christ is to us. But I'd like you to get a lesson out of it. In the wilderness, because they didn't know why they took the money. And the money was no more useful to them in buying things. They took their money and made a golden calf and began to worship. When you do not know the purpose for which God blessed you financially and for which God brings money into your life, you turn that money into an object of worship. And that is what we call materialism or idolatry. You turn that money into an object of worship. Any money that becomes so strong in your life that you cannot use it to serve God becomes a God in your life. That's why the only thing that competes with the place of God in your life is money. You cannot, Jesus said it, you cannot serve God and mammon. Those are the two things that you have to choose one to worship. Whether to worship money or to worship God. But hey, you can choose to use money to worship God. 
They didn't know why God gave them that kind of favor to take out all the wealth of Egypt on their way to the promised land. They didn't know why. They began to worship the money. But what was the purpose? It was to build tabernacles. To build tabernacles in the wilderness. They didn't have faith in Christ. So they couldn't think of tabernacles. They couldn't think of tabernacles. Today, God blessed you with ideas, concepts, insights. God has blessed you with opportunities. And even under this lockdown, new opportunities are springing up. And you know, this morning I was praying and the Lord said to me, tell my people to begin developing new skills. Tell my people, and listen carefully, this is the word of the Lord. Tell my people to begin to develop new skills. Because the world is shifting. The world is shifting. Tell my people to begin to develop new skills that will be relevant in the post-corona world. Some of you need to start quickly. Get online and begin to look for new skills to develop. It's critical. And you've got to do that quickly and prepare yourself. But it's going to be very exciting the future is glorious. Oh, Lamanagada. The future is glorious. I see the glory of God manifesting through believers. But listen carefully. You need to develop new skills and update your skills and sharpen your skills. It's important. Now, they didn't know that the reason why God gave them favor to make money was for the building of tabernacles. How do we build tabernacles? When you give your money to this ministry and we preach and people are saved, every soul is saved, your money has helped us to build a tabernacle for God. Because today, the tabernacle is not physical buildings, it's human beings. So through your partnership, we are raising tabernacles for God all over the Blue Mabu planet through your partnership. And I want to pray for all of you partners today as you prepare your partnership commitment. And you prepare your offerings for this service. I want to pray for everybody. And those of you watching, if you've never been a partner, you want to be a partner, all you need to do today is shoot a mail to me, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Somebody's typing the address on, on Facebook and YouTube. Somebody's putting the information there for you guys and on Kingdom Life Network and all the channels. Dr. D-R-A-B-E-L-D-A-M-I-N-A. -E Dr. Abel Damina. You know, one word, at yahoo.com. If you shoot me a mail with your location, we will email you all the partnership details with banking details for you to put in your partnership commitment to help us get this message going all over the nations of the earth. Thank you for giving to the Lord and thank you for responding. Grab your partnership commitment and grab your offerings and kingdom investments. Let's pray together as we give today. Father, I pray for everybody in our campuses, in our house centers, all the partners of this ministry, men and women who have selflessly decided that their resources will be useful in the advancing of the kingdom. People that have yielded themselves to be steered up by the Holy Ghost to give in love and in response to the work of Christ. As we give right now by faith, I declare every need met. And I declare that our partnership advances the kingdom. And in the name of Jesus, I decree for all of you partners. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always have sufficiency in all things. You abound.
bound onto every good work. I decree that skills, new skills, you have ideas on developing new skills. You have opportunities. You have favors. You have connections. In the name of Jesus, and I decree that you are positioned for impact and exploits. Financial favor. In the name of Jesus, I call for financial favors for you. And I take authority over the enemy and all of his devices. I rebuke confusion. I rebuke confusion right now in the name of Jesus. Receive ideas, concepts, insights, opportunities. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And I pray for the offerings and the investments. As we give today, we give with joy. Your offering is blessed. Your giving is blessed. And I decree that your jobs are blessed. You have favor. You have ideas. You know what to do. And you will never be stranded and you will never be ashamed. Father, thank you that our offerings and our partnership commitment and our kingdom investments rise before you today as an offering acceptable. And we give you praise for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. What a blessing. All right. Now, all the house centers, your house pastors will tell you what to do with both partnership, investments, and offerings. All our campuses. You know, we live in the able hands of coordinators and all of you online, I'm expecting to hear from you, expecting to receive your mails and thank you for giving and giving financially to enable us do more for the kingdom. But listen carefully, you don't want to miss the 11 o'clock teaching because we're going to go into some depths as we explore the two kinds of righteousness. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your moments until I connect with you at 11 a.m. this morning and until then, be blessed. Amen. Praise God forevermore.
is Kingdom Life Network.